Hey, Jeff Fuller with you, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. If you would like more information, you can certainly subscribe on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And now on all the Google uh, podcast channels, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you can find us there. And uh, as I believe, people's stories make our stories better when you put in the fact that God loves us and he knew about this day before we were even born. So one with a tremendous story is Pastor Kyle McMahon. Kyle, welcome in. Hey, Pastor Jeff. Good to be here with you, man. And so for the listeners or the viewers, I just want to share that uh, I was looking up some uh, research as I do Wikipedia or Google style for Sunday. <laughs> And uh, I was looking up church liturgy, and your church, the Gateway Church website came up. It's in the background behind me, and I'll just pull it up uh, here as well. How long have you been at Gateway? We've been at Gateway for just over a year now, so not too long. Share a little bit about what led you to the Gateway Church in Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, uh, the, the, the process is... If, if you've been in the church world or grew up in churchianity, you, you'll uh, perhaps have experienced a, extending a call to a pastor, or uh, you may have yourself um, felt a burden to pursue vocational ministry. And mine kind of fits it, nested in between those two realities. Is um, I was serving in a church and uh, was released from ministry there, and um, it's nothing like sh- shady. <laughs> it was literally like. Uh, uh, there was a vision for how I saw myself being in that role and an understanding that, uh, that our pastor had. And as we d- had a dialogue about that, we realized, Oh, like we were, we weren't doing this in terms of understanding one another. We were talking past each other. And so when we got understanding about how, um, okay, w- what does it look like for us to do the work of ministry together here in this context? Um, there's an opportunity for us to stay and, um, pursue that or to, to go. And, um, and so we chose to, to be sent out. Um, it was a, like a sending a, a gospel goodbye. Um, no, like Kyle, Kyle pursued another calling, which was code for, yeah. we fired him. <laughs> it was a, it was a, a genuine sending. And it was from that context that then we, um, myself and my family, we just began to ask the questions of, okay, like if, if we had a blank slate in front of us, what would be the burdens that we feel like based on the map of our life, God has um, put there and then the intersections of those burdens with certain contexts. And so we just started dreaming and um, applying to places generally located in cities. I, I didn't really want to drive. So I wanted to be able to take the bus. <laughs> so you know, just silly things like that. Um, and then a mix of uh, ecclesial theological stuff. Um, and when we started putting those things together, we had a, like a map, like a genuine map of, of the U S and places that we would go and felt like God's leading to do so. And, um, and we applied at gateway and it was a, like a six month long process. Um, and at the, at the end of it, we, um, we we landed. <laughs> you know, it was one of those one of those curious things where um, I think it, it really was just a a, a matter of, of like fit and continuity and challenge of just saying like I um, I've never done this before in terms of being asked to be a senior leader in a community. I've um, 
And so it's just like, hey, here's here's where I'm at, and here's where I'm not. And if you're willing to do this journey, let's let's go. And four months in, pandemic rolls out. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's the that's the long and the short of it. And so on Twitter, it's gateway underscore church, gateway underscore church. And the website is thegatewaychurch.com, thegatewaychurch.com. Now, I have to admit, in uh, interest of full disclosure, on the YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, I am wearing a hat and a hoodie because we share a wall. Behind me is uh, our living space. And so we do not heat this where we used to gather as a sanctuary type space. And so it is like seven degrees outside and still snowing. And so I am more cold. This is not show. I'm not hip. Not saying that you are or that you aren't, but you have a little beanie, a toucan. You grew up in California, San Diego. Is that right? Yeah. And now you find yourself in Des Moines. What is that cultural trans um, transition been like for you? That's uh, such a good question. Uh, so I, I found myself to the great Middle West uh, when I was 16 to play ice hockey. And I know that sounds odd growing up in San Diego. So I was born and raised until I was 16. Not There's like one hockey rink where I grew up. So I, I ended up um, like taking the coaster, which is a, a railway, up to like Long Beach area and playing hockey up there. And, and then I, I went to the Midwest and the culture shock was huge because – it's the first time I ever saw corn growing in a field in Michigan. And, and now Michigan and, and Iowa are um, they're pr pretty different, um, but all that to say still tucked into the Midwest. And so, yeah, I think I still, I still feel that, but I, I do feel like, um, you know, as the coasts encroach upon the middle of America with uh, the digital age, it, it's like, if you have Wi-Fi, you have access to, um, <laughs> the the shaping forces in our world and so um, yeah my wife accuses me of being a hipster and i just think at this point in life i'm just like <laughs> sure let's just <laughs> let's roll with it well that's i'm 45 and my wife is actually from michigan green rapids area but my son is 18 my daughter's 17 so i'm no longer cool i just try to stay <laughs> warm and so i'm like yeah it's not about how you feel about me it's about how i uh how comfortable i am in my own skin yeah. but i just i just want to um go back you mentioned and for those listening watching this is our first conversation ever with each other. I just found you on a Google random search. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's amazing how God unites hearts. And not to over-spiritualize, but I believe God knew about this day before we were even born. I believe he has a purpose for this conversation. I just want to ask you, when you grew up playing hockey, if somebody told you you're going to have a random conversation with another Christian pastor and you're going to be a pastor, a lead pastor, what would have gone through your mind? Oh, it would have been laughable. I, I, I probably didn't understand what pastor meant. Like I, I didn't have a, a reference point for what that, what that would have meant. And, and then to add in that, that I would be having conversations about <laughs> what does it look like to be engaged in the life of ministry um, and that that would come by way of, of hitting a puck around a slab of ice. <laughs> um, share, yeah, share with me uh, the family structure in which you grew up. Did you grow up going to church? No. I So I, I you could call it like the Creasters is something that I've grown to know what that is. 
it wasn't even that. Um, you know, our it, it was, for example, we're, we're here. We are in the season of Advent, um, a- approaching the Christ event, um, and I had no I had no idea what Advent was. I probably couldn't even define it as a vocabulary term. Uh, so in my family, the, the season of Christmas was defined more by consumerism than the coming of Jesus into the world. Now we would we would periodically go to a church or or something like that. Um, but I, my, um, in, in terms of Christianity, that was like, <laughs> that was the closest, but you know, it's, what's really neat is you're talking about like the providence of God is that, uh, my best friend, three houses down, his parents planted a church hmm. and it met in a, like a cafeteria of an elementary school. And then they acquired an old movie theater and I had no idea what their roles were in terms of being the, the plant, those who planted that church. And I, they just opened up their home to me and uh, they were kind of like a second family. Um, my, my, my family is, my, my parents are, are divorced. And so um, that happened later in life when I was in um, graduate school. Uh, but those rifts go way back into adolescence younger than that, for sure. And so my friend's house was just like a refuge of sorts. They had like their own little cubby. I had my own cubby of snacks there. And I, <laughs> looking back, like um, we're still friends. And for his parents to say, we've been praying for you. Hmm. So it's just, you know, those, those, yeah. uh, those moments that God is leveraging that you're just entirely unaware of. Cool. So share that, uh, that experience of coming to the Lord, whether it was that stereotypical, you said the sinner's prayer or that enlightenment came and you just knew you needed Jesus. How did you get to that point? So I ended up being able to play college hockey at Michigan State and uh, a sports ministry on campus called Athletes in Action. FCA is a similar similar thing, but there was a, one guy in my team. His name's Trevor Nill. Uh, if any of your listeners care about hockey, his dad was the former GM uh, or assistant GM at the Red Wings. And now I think he's with Dallas Stars or something like that. But Trevor's family had this robust and sincere faith. Um, he got plugged into Athletes in Action right away. And his challenge uh, that he received from the director there was just be bold with one person. Hmm. That's me. So he invited me. Um, when you have access to the Michigan State's a Big Ten school, 50,000 students, um, when you have access to so much that the world has to offer, um, and you grow up in the culture of hockey, which glorifies that, um, you pursue it. You just, that's what you know. Uh, so Trevor was a, was countercultural, literally sitting outside of that as he was present to us. So it was just so contrasting in how he lived. Um, and he would invite and invite and invite. Um, and when there was free food, I would go and that kind of a thing. Uh, and eventually there was, uh, what, what would be like this watershed moment that I didn't see coming uh, was an invitation to come to uh, just a, like a Christian camp. <laughs> it's called yeah. ultimate training camp. And it was essentially where uh, they were imbuing sport with Christian principles. Hmm. What does it mean that God is your audience? Like you're, you're not performing for people. What, what, are, you know, just talking through that and helping you to, I suppose, embody the way of Jesus through whatever you're doing. And that was what they're, mission was. So I had like some pressure from my parents, both from both sides to do something that summer, whatever do something means. And um, I think out of a way to 
just pacify the, <laughs> the incessant <laughs> request to do something. I went to this thing and I don't know if I would describe it this way uh, when I was there, Pastor Jeff, but at, at this moment, looking back, I'd say that the spirit of God softened my heart through this community of people who were genuinely responding to God. And you know, when you put a bunch of followers of Jesus together for an extended period of time, there's encouragement that happens. All of a sudden people show up to like their true self and they're able to unpack that in front of others. And it can get kind of messy, but it's like, it's beautiful, like sure. a beautiful yeah. mess. So I'm, I'm witnessing this. And uh, this is it's kind of city, uh, silly. It's like uh, at a lunch table on a Thursday afternoon, this guy, Brandon, just opens up. It's the, the Romans Road. <laughs> it's a track. And we go through it. And he goes, so what do you think? Do you want to do like, do you want to do this Jesus thing? I'm like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> Um, you know, nothing, no, like angels descending and no audible voice from the father in heaven. Um, I think just like the compelling and o- obedience of the people there, like it kind of, it, it took some courage for him to walk through that. He had no idea what yeah. I would say. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was a moment. I was like, okay, so what do we do? <laughs> it was, I was so green, man. I didn't know. So that was the, that was the watershed moment. Sure. Um, and the, this is, uh, the, this is, I'll just add this on. That's okay. the, the quote unquote watershed moment. Yeah. I think where things came to like into vivid color was when I was, when I was in seminary. Cause you know, I came back and I'm still living two lives. I'm learning right. what it means right. to profess Jesus in a public space and then privately continue doing the things I used to do. So I'm getting really good at being a Christian in public because I'm getting good at performing and my pi- my private life is just a mess. And mm. even so far as like, I'm able to apply to a seminary, get in, and there's still these secret sins that are haunting me in the backdrop. And it was like opening up the word. And I think the spirit searching my heart and bringing conviction, not condemnation. And then having um, one of my closest friends just calling me out <laughs> on past mm. patterns of sin, still being present and, that for me is the is the moment where it was a matter of integrity rather than just a public profession or performance. So so good, yeah. So good. This is uh, Pastor Kyle McMahon, uh, thegatewaychurch.com, and it just kind of begs the question for me. I'm uh, an extrovert. I really enjoy relationships, being with people, probably more than studying or being cooped up in the office. I call it. Um, <laughs> Technology has been a huge, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, social media, Facebook, all the different avenues, podcasts. But it seemed as though that personal relationship really helped or God used to reach you with the gospel, with that watershed moment. How have you found it different, unique, or in some ways better during this time of COVID building those relationships with the lost or just developing young Christians to a growing, maturing faith? Oh, that's such a beautiful question, Pastor Jeff. I, I, there's been some really, really vibrant and bright spots in terms of discipleship and the way of Jesus um, 
or I've been really captivated just by uh, Dallas Willard talks about apprenticeship as a helpful term. And so it's, just, it's like there's a, an electrician um, in our community and you can see the lights turn on for him. I, I guess there was no, I didn't mean to do that pun, but an electrician turning on lights, there you go. Uh, when I, to use the language of apprenticeship, it just sunk right into his lived experience. And so that has been, um, little things like that have have happened um, just in conversationally, but those have been, those have been sparse. The, the really bright spots have been uh, actually like through the, the challenging things. So we've had, um, and we've had people who just decided to walk away because they didn't care for our response to um, COVID. We, we just said we want to be a culture of honor. And so what does that mean? It's uh, for us to uh, like embrace the way of Jesus to lay aside our preferences. And um, there's a number of people in our community for whom they certainly had an interest in gathering, but they um they were cautious. And so this is in the summertime. And so we just put some like simple safety measures that we received from local municipalities. And that was, um, there were two care paradigms, like a paradigm of Liberty. Don't, don't tread on me and a, and a paradigm of care. And so we, we chose to say, I think it's in the best interest of our community to choose a, a paradigm, a, a, an ethic of care, a moral framework of care. And, and so that has made it, um, in some sense, difficult to do those interpersonal relationships uh, because now it's there's layers of strain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the other side, this is this is interesting. Uh, it's opened up a door uh, to what does it mean for us to be a neighbor. So it's it, we've been able to turn the conversation and say, um, and this is I've received a lot of help from a um, biblical scholar Tim Gombas. He's um, he has a uh, a little, he teaches, he's a seminary professor at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. And he has this, this extended conversation about baptism. And like, if we remember our baptism, that we died with Christ and we raised with him, then dead people have no rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's, talk, he's talking about living as a cruciform life. And so we've been able to have those conversations uh, as a community and just ask, what does it mean for us to be good neighbors? Um, and that to your question of, in terms of engaging with people who have yet to follow Jesus in our community. Oh man, it's been so beautiful. It's I think it's freed up space in my own heart <laughs> uh, just to, not to be virtue signaling or to say, oh, you, you got to wear a mask or social just, it's like, those are, those are just things on the side. But yeah. for us, the core question becomes, well, what does it mean for us to be a good neighbor? That's great. That's great. Again, Kyle uh, McMahon, Kyle S. McMahon on Instagram and Twitter and thegatewaychurch.com. You can kind of see behind me, I pulled up a page and it talks about helping our community, whether it's meal trains, local student support, missional engagement. And that's something that uh, though we can't do it face to face, our local congregation is trying to do things together, whether a hygiene pantry, uh, Christmas mm. gifts for different families in need, uh, things of that nature. How have you seen people uh, really rise up during this time. And I'm just going to use a quick example. Uh, there's a family within our congregation that are not um, uh, wealthy. I'll just put it that way. But they reached out to a family in need. And I would assume, mm. presume, they spent more for this family in need on Christmas than they are for their own family for Christmas. And I was just overwhelmed by that generosity. Do you have a story or two of people really rising to the occasion under your care? 
I would love to say it was under my care, Pastor Jeff. I, I think <laughs> it started before I showed up here. Um, there's a family that that gentleman who I mentioned who's an electrician. Um, he's been able to uh, flip some homes and he's just really handy. And one of the neighbor, the neighborhood that he and his wife live in, they uh, have renovated a couple of houses and the neighborhood used to just be um, really a, a challenge, like a, a sore spot in the eyes of the city of Des Moines. And, you know, in the um, 1960s, they cut a freeway right through the city and um, it displaced a lot of the African-American population in the city. And so that that area became ran down. And then it started to be occupied by uh, more upwardly mobile um, white people, to just be quite frank. And then um, the neighborhood became revitalized. And um, and yet adjacent to that neighborhood is uh, is a neighbor is another neighborhood that offers um, housing for refugees. And there's quite a few refugees in the community. And uh, the contrasting nature of those two neighborhoods, you have disproportionate wealth in the city right there tucked like divided by a single street and uh these these two people in our community this husband and wife they have just received it they go on walks um, and people will they'll look at them and they're like um so interesting the questions that they'll ask like what are you trying to do what, what do you have to offer and they're like we live in this neighborhood i don't know so what they did over the years is they just cultivated relationships with families. And so, um, I've been, I've been super blessed. Like, and, and by that, I mean, it has been a gift that they have given to me to get to know some of these people through their contact. So through the season, um, especially with like return to learn initiatives and people, um, you know, you think about a refugee community, there's a lot of, uh, first and second generations, um, who, especially the second generations and children have, a requirement to get online, <laughs> but they don't yeah, have the yeah. they don't have Wi-Fi. Right, right. So they've just opened up their home to a handful of people. Um, essentially, um, are feeding them. They're like a little schoolhouse. And uh, for for Christmas, um, they're they've just collected like a registry of gifts, and um, they are in some sense like a, a pathway, a conduit by which we can actually show up and really be followers of Jesus. <laughs> so really yeah, they've been a they've been a gift to us, man. Again, Pastor Kyle at thegatewaychurch.com, thegatewaychurch.com. And the Lord's Prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. So maybe I didn't steal it from you, but uh, <laughs> you have a slogan that says, uh, on Des Moines as it is in heaven. And I said Sunday, uh, on Vermont as it is in heaven. Where did that phrase come from? Was it there before you arrived at the Gateway Church? And what does that mean to you on Des Moines as it is in heaven? Yeah, that that was one of the more compelling features uh, that was a part of this community. So uh, as a vision for Gateway, it is to it is in Des Moines as it is in heaven. I mean, I think if, if a vision is something that you yourself or a community cannot actually grasp, but you are striving toward it, what a more beautiful thing to strive for than um, a prayer that we are given from the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so that was here before. Uh, and it was, like I said, just a really compelling feature. I've, I had heard it in um, some other contexts. There's a, a church out in Long Beach, California called Garden Church. And during, um, during the pandemic, they just said, wherever you are, as it is in heaven, because <laughs> they can't meet. Yeah. I just thought, oh, it's so good. And it's just, what is it to say? And, you know, we have to, we have to do some work of 
getting through the individualism wherever you are, but uh, wherever the presence of God is, yeah. there the people of God can show up to that reality. And so we're that's that's what we're driving at. And uh, just to, to say like, well, how do we get at that? We're, there's kind of like three modes or um, kind of pathways that we want to just move towards to see that come to bear. Um, so we want to pursue the presence of God. Uh, right now, we, we say we want to prayerfully contend for his kingdom. We, we realize that prayer is a component part of formation. So we just want to draw a bigger circle. So we're in the process yeah. of so we want to be formed into the image of Jesus by the power of the spirit and join him in renewal of all things. Um, so that idea of pursuing his presence, being formed into the image of Jesus by the power of the spirit and joining him in renewal. We just think that's not that's not the full breadth, but some of the constituent parts, some of the parts that make like our scaffolding really of like, right. okay, so what does it mean for us to say in Des Moines or on Des Moines as it is in heaven? And, um, and anytime, like I, um, anytime there's a way to cultivate <laughs> prayers from the Bible and the life of the body, <laughs> it's like, those are just, we have to, I, 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 I want to go back there as often as I can. Oh, that's so good. And uh, you mentioned Dallas Willard. I really uh, enjoyed his books. And uh, for me, um, I'm reading Letters to the Church by Francis Chan and um, Ring of Fi- Rings of Fire and a couple other resources. What do you read? What is speaking to you right now? Has it been difficult for you to engage in that uh, continued education? Oh, no. <laughs> I am like a nerd, man. I don't have a problem saying it. Uh, there's so much. I there's so much to be had, and so I have to. Um, I don't know. Is the enneagram a helpful? Um, For me, it is. I enjoy it. So. Yeah, it's so in terms of like understanding motive, like motive theory. It's a. It's been a helpful tool for me in my spiritual formation and and. Uh, and especially in my marriage, oh my goodness, it's been a gift and friendships just, um, so I, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Uh, and so the, the besetting sin of a seven, me. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we, we would work well together. Yeah. Uh, the besetting sin of a seven is gluttony. And I can experience that in educational spaces. I want to like take in as much as I can. And the things that can fall to the wayside are, uh, maybe the things that strain me in terms of skill sets, administrative things. <laughs> so grateful for the wiring of people in our community that are different than me. I'm just an elbow, man. I like, I'm just an elbow. So I'm just here to be an elbow nothing more. Um, but I, I can tell you what I've been reading. It's, it's, uh, if you want, but <laughs> yeah, give me, give me a couple books that you've really found uh, helpful during this time of COVID. Uh, so, uh, M Scott Peck, this is like, this book was, I think back in 1978, it hit the shelves and it was like a New York times bestseller for 10 straight or plus years or something. Uh, but it's called the road less traveled. And it is essentially looking at the dynamics of formation and love. He's a, a psychiatrist. Um, and it's maybe some of the most accessible, like puts the cookies on the low shelf for the yeah, layman yeah, yeah, like yeah. myself. But uh, just in, in in terms of uh, he really appeals to discipline as a way to move forward, um, and he he, he he creates space in terms of like uh, using secular paradigms of a higher power or a deity. But he names God as God, and so you can see that there is a 
Um, for those who would maybe call themselves spiritual and successful, especially for those who call themselves followers of Jesus, of just um, what does it look like for us to be really formed as people? How does change happen? So that's been one that's been super helpful. Um, and another kind of in that space, uh, Edwin Friedman's uh, Failure of Nerve is maybe the best leadership book <laughs> I've ever encountered. Uh, he's a family systems theory guy. He's a Jewish rabbi. Um, I really like to pe- read people who I ne- necessarily wouldn't agree with across yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he has, uh, he just has some beautiful things to talk about leadership. And so that's been helpful for me of, um, he uses this, this term of, uh, excuse the technical nature of it, differentiation. And differentiation is really just the ability to hold on to your values when there's competing values present. Hmm. The ability to hold on to those things uh, when other people are saying you ought not to do that thing. Um, so, and you can feel confident in your values when you've made a decision and you stand alone with them and you don't feel shame. Um, so that's been really big for me. Uh, like, pr- like pleasing people yeah. has been a challenge, especially in a pastoral role. That's I'm not. That's autobiographical, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, man, just just uh, it's given a it's given a framework to have some gumption as a leader. Uh, and oh goodness, I. What is, in terms of like some really, I feel like I need to pull up my Kindle or something right there. Those are the two. Those jump yeah, off. But <laughs> I kind of put you on the spot. Uh, we have about five minutes left. And I just uh, thank you so much for making the time, Pastor Kyle McMahon, uh, yeah. thegatewaychurch.com. Um, I have to ask, I grew up playing basketball. Again, Vermont, small Christian school. So at least I, I got to play. So that was great. But I was not an athlete. Why did you choose hockey over so many other sports? And I ask very carefully. I went to college in Canada, and so some of my best friends, they're hockey players. But I'm like, why Why hockey? So I, I remember the YMCA had a flyer for inline hockey. And this is just after Gretzky moved to the Kings. Um, and if you don't know who Wayne Gretzky is and you're watching this, <laughs> no shame. Just go look it up. Uh a little so bit he, of shame. A maybe little maybe bit a little. <laughs> if you're in the Northeast and there's a, all that. Um, so so he had moved there and, and roller hockey was just booming. And so I got a little flyer and the um, nobody wanted to be the goalie. But what they didn't know is that if you were the goalie, you got to play the whole game. Yeah. So, right. I, so I was, so that's the position I did and the uh, position I played. And then I, I think my, uh, there was a strong push for me to play baseball. And I just um, was a little bit hyperactive as a youth. <laughs> so I've been standing in the outfield is just like, this is just boring, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it, was, it wasn't stimulating. And so I, uh, I had a lot of that frenetic energy to get out. And I, uh, I found a, a good outlet for that in hockey. And then, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're playing the sport and then you're even just marginally okay, um, all of a sudden you find yourself in, uh, there's these things called festival. Um, so if, once you start playing ice hockey, it's uh, put on by USA hockey and um, people from the, like you just have less competition on the West coast. And then you find yourself in spaces of people who play hockey more often. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I mean, that was, the, that was the, that was the pathway of just one little flyer from the YMCA. And that was, I was hooked. <laughs> so I know here in Vermont, the University of Vermont, the Catamounts, their uh, seasons are all on hold because of COVID. And uh, something that I wondered what it would be like is to be on a college team and play without fans. 
But on your website, it also said that for your gathering, for your church service, it was limited to 15 people, including yourself. Yeah. What do you think was more <laughs> difficult, being in a worship gathering with 15 people, including yourself, or playing in, uh, in an empty hockey stadium or rink? Oh, it depends on who shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have been just so fortunate to, um, for, for those who show up, and we're really just trying to make space because this is a season where, I mean, we figure people between the 18, ages of 18 and 24, like so a whole generation, one in four reporting like suicidal ideation. And so we have a younger yeah. church. And so we just want to make space for people to come and receive care, though socially distanced. And so it's a beautiful space. I, I think though it could be harder for the athletes because you're so trained to respond to the hype. Right, right. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, and sadly, maybe that's true of the church. Um, so, Lord willing, uh, it will be about the pursuit of Jesus more than uh, some sort of emotive feeling. Well, I think right there, there's a lot we can learn from uh, both sports and uh, what we gain from an audience um, and what some pastors really look to from the congregation or maybe from the congregation looks to from the platform. But um, I, I'm just reminded as this year winds down and during this time of pandemic and there is some hope uh, there with the vaccine and mm-hmm. just knowing that God has a plan for all of this. But how? What does your personal spiritual disciplines look like? Is it get up early, pray a lot? Uh, what are you doing to make sure that you are in a place that's healthy spiritually? I have a really good friend who's like a was like the gateway drug to the contemplative life. <laughs> he's a spiritual director, and so he's opened up my eyes to things like breath prayer and Holy Spirit prayer, things that are that seem odd because I I'm, find myself in the, in the culture of evangelicalism. I inhabit that space in this moment. And, I, um, and those are not prayers that you encounter in there. More, it's just extemporaneous. Like you're just, whatever comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So for me in the morning, it is indeed a, I mean, we have a newborn, so I'm. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, sleep is a, um, is, is a thing. So when I'm up, it's just like a, allowing my mind to turn and again, turn to God. Um, and in those things of uh, just waiting on him, uh, allowing things like the Lord's prayer to uh, form my, my thoughts. And so it's really that, that, that for me, the discipline is slowing down. And the biggest piece of that is Sabbath. So we as a family try the best we can with um, small humans running around um, to, to actually embrace, to receive the gift of God's rest. Not as a, not as a guilt trip or a command, but just to say, these are the rhythms of life that we want to embrace and receive. And, um, and to say that, that, that Sabbath, that ceasing is actually about um, being able to rest and to then work from a place of rest rather than resting from my work. Yeah, Pastor Kyle, that's so good. Uh, thank you again for making the time. TheGatewayChurch.com is where you can find more information on Instagram and Twitter. Kyle S. McMahon. Kyle, I'm going to ask uh, a favor, something I probably should be doing for you, but I'm going to ask that you do for us in the congregation yeah. of Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Would you just lead us in prayer? And I was told that it's respectful. If you touch your hat, you don't have to remove your hat. I don't know if that's true <laughs> or anything, but... Pastor Kyle, would you just pray for us as we wrap this yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll honor you guys that way. Um, 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community of eternal love we call God, we bow our hearts before you and we thank you. We, we honor you. You are present to us through the, like your personal presence in the Spirit, that you, Spirit of the living God, lead us to Jesus through your living and active word um, to be known and accepted before the Father. And in this season uh, where there is tumult afresh, where there's challenges, I would just ask that you uh, would evidence your love through your community, that we would indeed be the beloved community from Des Moines to Vermont, all the way to the West Coast. And I just pray specifically uh, for Living Hope Wesley Church, Lord, that you, through Pastor Jeff, would just, uh, th- that their hearts would be stirred afresh for you, Jesus that they would see the compelling reality of a life that is given away because we really have nothing to lose. We have the full inheritance. We are receiving everything with you, Jesus, and that we are hidden with you in the heavens at this very moment. So we stand with you, Jesus. We make intercession with you, um, filled by your very personal presence. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray and bring these things before you. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kyle, thank you so much. Uh, certainly an yeah. honor and a privilege. Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll yeah, certainly be well. praying praying for you as well. Thanks so much. Yeah. Again, that was Pastor Kyle McMahon at thegatewaychurch.com. My name is Jeff Fuller, Pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. And uh, you certainly can subscribe to the podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever uh, you're looking, you can certainly find us there. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas.